How do we stand firm in our faith in a time of uncertainty? How do we keep our faith? How do we not waver in unprecedented times? And how do we persevere through these times of such uncertainty? We'll discuss that and more on The Theological Patriot. As we look again at this topic of standing firm in our faith, last time we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, 58, where the Apostle Paul says to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, he says, to be on alert, to stand firm in the faith, to act like men, to be strong. How, as Christians, as we are at the beginning of a new regime, it is important that we don't waver in our faith, that we don't go along with every wave of doctrine, that we don't give in to all these things that we are like what Paul tells us to not be infants being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching by cunning and craftiness for their deceitful schemes that's Ephesians 4:14 4, that as Christians, we are to place our feet firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ. Because we know that he is the foundation of our faith. And if we have our feet planted firmly on him, then there's nothing that this world can do to us. There is nothing that this world can throw at us that can make us waver. And that's what people will see. That if you're squishy and wishy-washy in your beliefs, it's going to be easy for people to say, well, you obviously don't believe what you've said. Because if you did, then you would stand firm in it. That if you are wishy-washy, you quickly change your mind when push comes to shove, then people are going to think you're just like them. That you are going to change your mind on anything because as Martin Luther King Jr. said if you're not willing to stand for something 
then you'll fall for anything. So stand for something. Don't take something that the culture says is important and just go with it because you don't want to have people talk bad about you. Because if you're squishy and you're wishy-washy, then no one's going to trust you to do what to, for you to do what you say you're going to do because they know if you're not standing firm if you're if you don't have any convictions then there's no way that they can rely on you and that's what we see with politicians in Washington that's what we see with so many leaders and CEOs, they don't have backbones. They don't have anything that they will say, this is right, this is wrong. Because in their mind, there's no concept of right and wrong unless it's what they see as right and wrong. But be careful because that standard could change in about 10 seconds. That there, there's this shift where people will say that something used to be wrong or they'll try to change history and say, well, that was never wrong. That was just being suppressed, that these people were being suppressed and marginalized. But now they, they have the freedom to come out and be who they, who they are. That their standards waver. They don't have a firm footing in anything outside of if it's old, it must be bad because history is bad and we have to move forward that we can't look back. We must move forward. And if you look throughout history which I know that progressives will try to change history anywhere that has no basis for right and wrong it's just absolute chaos that if there is your truth and my truth and we can't agree on whose truth is more valid, there's going to be a fight until someone wins and then their truth is the one that is taken as the real truth, quote.
But for us as Christians, there is no your truth, my truth. There is the truth. That we have the scriptures that tell us what is right and wrong. That if you have a secular worldview, you cannot tell me that murder is wrong. That's something you can't do. There is no atheist that can tell me that murder is wrong if they believe in survival of the fittest. Those concepts do not mesh. Because if it is survival of the fittest, then you murdering someone cannot be wrong because you were more powerful than they were and you're just helping to make a stronger race. That they cannot say that the Holocaust was bad. An atheist cannot say that. Because obviously, by their standards, Hitler was stronger than the Jews. And so nothing that he did was wrong. That they cannot have any morality without stealing from the scriptures. That say murder is wrong. That say you shall not commit adultery. They cannot say that those things in their belief system, that those things are wrong. And anyone that is progressive and tries to say, well, you have to change with the times, that that can only end in chaos. But as Christians, having that basis, that foundation of what God says is right and wrong, regardless of what the culture says, we can stand firm. We can have our feet planted solidly on the rock. And we can say, no matter what the culture tells me, this is right, this is wrong. That's it. There was a bumper sticker that I once saw, and I would agree with two-thirds of the phrase that it said on, on this bumper sticker. It said, God said it, I believe it, it's true. Now, the part that I would disagree with is, I believe it. That if God said it, it's true, regardless whether I believe it or not. 
because even if I don't believe what God has said, as God, he cannot speak falsely. He is truth. And because he is truth, all he can speak is truth, regardless of how I feel about it. That we're told there is no shifting, no shadow with God. That anytime in the scriptures we see God changing his mind, that's language that we can understand. Because God is not going to change. And if God changes at all, he's no longer God because there was something that he wasn't at some point. That's why we have verses that say, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. that the scriptures have not changed since they were written down. That if there, if there has been any change, it doesn't affect the meaning and the standard by which God wrote that if there's if there's any any change within the scriptures it's it's in a translation that it's one author thought this word would be better but that doesn't change the meaning of it it doesn't mean that the scriptures are void in any way shape or form That what is in our Bible is exactly what God wanted to be in there. Every single book, all 66 of them, are in there for a reason. And we can base our lives on it. Because that standard will never, ever change. And we talked about last time how if the culture keeps going as it, as it looks like it is, and Christians become more and more hated, that the best and worst thing that they can do is kill you. That's it. The best and worst thing. Because by the world standards, the worst thing that can happen is that you die. Because for them, there's nothing after this. That's it. You go to the ground and you become dust. But for us, if they kill you, if they kill me, 
All they're doing is sending us home. Because we know this world is not our home. We're just passing through. The best and the worst thing that someone can do is kill you. But let us be as the Apostle Paul that when you look at his life he wanted to go to heaven. He wanted to be done with this world. But why? Because he knew there was something better. He knew that this world was not his home. He knew that once he passed through that door of death, he would no longer be fighting sin. That he would be entering into the presence of his Savior. That Paul didn't enjoy being beaten. He didn't look forward to being hungry, shipwrecked, whipped, stoned. He didn't look forward to any of that. He didn't enjoy any of that. We don't enjoy persecution. But we know that it's always a possibility. And that's why we need to be ready. Because we don't know when it is going to come. But if our foundation is strong, then we can endure anything. But for Paul, he wanted to go home. He wanted to go to heaven. He says in Philippians 1.21, For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul knew that if the Jews killed him, he was going to heaven. He had no doubts about that. But he knew he didn't want to go before it was his time, before the appointed time that God had for him. So Paul is saying, for me to live, I am in Christ. I will do his work as long as I have air in my lungs. As long as there is blood running through my veins, I will do the work of Christ. But at the same time, death is a gain. Because then I strip off this earthly body. I get to be with my Savior, free from sin, free from temptation. So to live is Christ and to die is gain. And when we stand firm in our faith, 
when we trust in Jesus, no matter the circumstances, when we have our feet planted firmly in him, then we can persevere through anything. One example that many people have learned about growing up, if they grew up in church, is the story of Daniel. Now, we usually focus on Daniel in the lion's den. But don't forget, before he was thrown into the lion's den, why he was thrown in there. That Daniel was rising in the ranks in Babylon. That he was becoming more and more influential and powerful. And the other wise men didn't like that. They were looking for ways to trip him up. And they knew every single day Daniel played, prayed three times a day facing Jerusalem. And so they came up with a plan to try to catch him. And make it in a way that it could not be reversed, even by the king. So they go to King Darius... And they, they flatter him, they build him up, and they say that there are some who do not worship you as you deserve, that they pray to another god. And in Darius's mind, he's the one that is to be worshipped, that he has the mindset of, I am God, I am it. I am the one that needs to be praised. So he gives in to them. He signs this decree saying that they that no one in all the kingdom is to pray to anyone except to him. He signs it. It becomes a law. Um, in those days, they used the standard of the Medes and the Persians. Essentially, once a king put his seal on it, even he couldn't break what was written on that paper. He could not break a treaty. He could not reverse a law. It was set in stone. And so what does Daniel do? When he hears that this has taken place, he goes to his room, opens his window towards Jerusalem, and he prayed as he always did, even if it was against the law. And the men come and they tell the king, and they say in Daniel chapter 6, where this story is found, they go to the king and they say, did you not sign an injunction 
that any man who makes a petition to any God or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast in the lion's den? The king said, this statement is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction which you signed, but keeps making petition three times a day. So Daniel knew what could happen. He knew if he prayed, he would be thrown into the lion's den and possibly be killed, possibly be torn limb from limb. But did that stop him from praying, from standing firm on his faith? No. You look at the apostles, you look at Peter and John in the book of Acts in chapter 4. They're preaching in the synagogue. The religious leaders arrest them for preaching in Jesus' name. They have a trial and they say, okay, we will let you go if you don't preach in this man's name again. Peter says, no. He says, whether it, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. He's saying to them, God is the one that is going to judge us. All you can do is kill us. And what do they do after they're thrown in prison, after they have threats on their lives, even when they get thrown in prison? What do they do? When they get out, they go back to preaching. And that's what that's what we have to do for uh, as Christians in 2021 we must stand firm in what we believe regardless of what happens to us and look through church history how many people have been killed for their faith That you look through church history, tyrants rise and tyrants fall. But God does not change. He does not go away. I encourage you to read the story of the reformer Jan Hus, spelled J-A-N-H-U-S. This man spoke out against the Catholic Church and their atrocities, trying to get people to come back to the scriptures. He's arrested by the Catholic Church. 
He's going to be burned alive. Have his books burned. But for him, as he is being taken to the fire and being tied on, he says, God is my witness that the evidence against me is false. I have never thought nor preached except with one intention of winning men, if possible, from their sins to Christ. And today I gladly die. And as he's tied to the stake to be burned, as they light the fire, and as the flames begin engulfing him, he begins to sing. He begins to sing this Latin chant that says, Christ, thou son of the living God, have mercy on me. So this man is singing as he is being burned alive. His faith is so strong in the Lord that there is nothing that this world can do to him. Even burn him alive. So remember, stand firm. Don't waver in your faith. Don't go with every wind of doctrine. And remember the old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So place your feet on the solid rock of Jesus. Stand firm in him, no matter what the world does to you. Because we live in unprecedented times. And we will need one another to stand firm so that we don't waver in every wind of doctrine. I'm Jeff Rubidoux, and I'm the Theological Patriot.